history and we bring black and white people together to engage in repair of genealogy and looking at our history together and forming bonds of repair. Lottie Leibdula, I want to thank you for being with us. Descendant of an enslaver in the Mississippi Delta with reparations for slavery. Randy Cotterman, fifth generation descendant of Zeke Cotterman, enslaved by George Adam Keller. Randy co-founded the Reparation Project along with Sarah Eisner. And we want to thank Yoruba Richin, the director of The Cost of Inheritance, an America Reframed special. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez for Democracy Now! Rectangular, rapid-flashing beacons are warning devices at pedestrian crossings. Maintaining safety at these crossings is the responsibility of both pedestrians and drivers. Be watchful when you see a pedestrian beacon and look for approaching pedestrians. Even when the lights are dark, a pedestrian should push the button to activate the signal. When the lights begin flashing, indicate you intend to cross by carefully stepping into the crosswalk. The flashing lights are meant to catch a motorist's attention. When you see them, it means a pedestrian is trying to cross. Be prepared to yield to pedestrians in the crosswalk. Allow pedestrians to completely cross the road, whether or not the lights are still flashing. When pedestrians and motorists follow the rules of the road, everyone can stay safe. Yes, that's true. And um, you know what? Uh, for tonight, pedestrians, motorists, why not just stay off the roads? Because, boy, they're hostile. It's raining. It's pouring. It's windy. It's a great night to stay inside and listen to the radio. Oh, and maybe uh, get some batteries because you might lose power tonight. It's 6 o'clock, WUSB Stony Brook at 90.1 FM and 107.3 FM, as well as on WUSB.FM for the entire world over the Internet. And now it's time for another edition of Off the Wall.
And a very good evening to everybody. The program is Off the Wall. Emmanuel Goldstein here with you, joined tonight by Kyle. Yes, hello. And uh, we're going to have a very special guest joining us in just a, a moment or two. But, but Kyle, have you ever seen weather like this? Yeah, I mean, a little bit out in the east eastern seaboard. And uh, the cold and gray overcast, I like. I, I think that's sort of my comfort zone. I've, I've definitely experienced that a lot. But... Well, this is pretty exceptional because it's only begun. Yes, and I wish it were colder, because if it were colder, we'd be getting snow. And, you know, I know we got a dusting over the weekend, and I'm sorry, that doesn't count. That's not winter. I'm still waiting for winter. But this, you know, this makes it interesting. And, uh, again, you know, uh, to, to repeat what we said at the beginning of the hour, if you're out on the roads, get off the roads. I mean, it's, it's not a good idea. It really isn't. You're very likely to lose power tonight. So um, make sure you're stocked up on all perishables. Because that's what we do here on Long Island. <laughs> Go out there, buy the milk and bread and whatever else. Uh, but, uh, yeah, heavy uh, heavy rain, strong damaging winds, um, uh, up to 75 miles an hour, I heard. Um, it's going to start hitting us around here about 7 o'clock. Now, you know what's crazy about this? I'm not a superstitious person, Kyle. You know that. But um, this storm is called Finn. Now, our friend Finn used to do the show that started at 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. So a storm named Finn is going to be hitting us at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night. That's got to mean something. That's got to mean something. Absolutely. That's appropriate. That's fitting. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so uh, anyway, um, we, we um, um, have a bunch of things um, that uh, I'm just going to go through them very, very quickly because I want to spend the bulk of the hour talking to our, our, our special friend. Um, but uh, basically, uh, what's going on? COVID deaths have plummeted uh, on Long Island uh, in uh, 2023. Uh, that's good news. And it's because people are taking precautions, getting the vaccine and all that. And um, we're, we're, we're beating this thing. And that's, that's really good to hear. Um, asylum seekers are pumping millions of dollars into the Long Island economy. Who could have seen that coming? Imagine that. All these people here working, pumping money into the economy, paying taxes. Wow. I'm sorry, that, that, that messes up some Republican agendas, I know, but uh, what are you going to do? Um, Bruce Blakeman, Nassau County uh, uh, executive, who one of our favorite people in the whole world, um, trading jabs with Kathy Hochul, telling her to stay away from Long Island, other enlightened things like that, wants his casino. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't want his stupid casino. It's funny because when when he was um, uh, they were at the same event and he was he was uh, trying to insult her, uh, saying stay away from Long Island. She said, okay, if I go, I'm taking all the money with me, <laughs> all the New York State money. And um, yeah, it looked kind of kind of foolish, I think. Yeah, those are appropriate um, retorts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's that, that's some of what's going on here. We don't have to spend. An inordinate amount of time, because on the phone with us right now is our good friend, Mike Uhas from Wisconsin. Mike, are you there? Uh, if you can hear me, I am here, yes. Thank you. We can hear you. We can hear you. And you can hear us, correct? Lovely. Yes, loud and clear. Oh, the marvels of technology. This is something. Yeah, great Great to hear you, Mike. And um, how are things uh, with you? Um you know, uh, we had a little bit of snow here today, uh, and um, I don't know about this Finn business. Who who's in charge of naming winter storms? 
Well, I don't believe in naming winter storms, and I usually ignore it because I think it's the weather channel that's behind it. I don't know what they have. <laughs> well, you know what? You are 100% correct. Am I? Okay, that happens and sometimes. You are, and um, but because you you said the name Finn, mm-hmm. the blood's on your hands now. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. It's a, it's, a, it's a totally unofficial designation, and I get why you said it, because of the, the Finn connection here at the station. The Finn that's connection, awesome. yes, absolutely. If, yes. It was a, if it was the Mike Uhas, you know, if they named it that, I would definitely be commenting on that as well, because it's just, it's so personal. Well, and actually things do get named Mike Uhas from time to time. They do, and I guess we're going to go right into that, because that's, that's one of the major stories uh, why you're on tonight. Uh, for those who don't know, by the way, Mike Uhas uh, used to be on WUSB back in our heyday. Uh, in, uh, in, in the 1980s. In fact, uh, we... Co- wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? This is still USB's heyday. Uh, well, it's mostly people shouting hey at us. <laughs> it's not really the other use of... of but, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, and that was, that was a, a great period of time. We co-hosted a show together called The Voice of Long Island. Um, most of the episodes are up online on the 2600.com site, and they're awesome to listen to. I, I occasionally just put one on and, and, and drift back into time. Uh, and since then, you've moved out to Wisconsin and um, uh, basically uh, uh, have all kinds of incredible photos of trains. You work for Trains Magazine. And, uh, but, but the thing that's happening right now, um, which is really awesome and something that I never really saw coming, you are having, how do I say this? Um, you're having a tugboat named after you. Did, yes. I, did I get that right? And I never saw it coming either. That It's just... Uh completely caught me by surprise. Yeah, and I think you're the only friend of mine who has a tugboat named after them. <laughs> um, well, when you and Kyle uh, came out to visit uh, a couple of years ago, we, we sat on my uh, front porch and we watched uh, some marine traffic go by. And um, I think, what did we see? We saw, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the boat. Uh, there was that, the, the, uh, Mrs., the Mrs. something. Mrs. P., Mrs. P. Probably. Um, and then we saw another one. The Samuel B. Richmond, I think, was the one we saw. And um, it turns out uh, that I now know the guy who was probably the captain on that boat as it went by. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a small world. Um, yeah, you're right. I've been interested in trains for, like, forever. And... Um, when, when we got this place on the river, I naturally, I mean, I always knew, you know, that there was commerce uh, happening here on the waterways, but never really got really too in-depth into it at all until I moved here. The sheer and proximity, I, it, it just, you have to appreciate it, right? Yeah, Mike is yeah. right oh, smack to. on the Mississippi River, but not only that, you have two train tracks running uh, right in front of your house as well, which is well, awesome. That's, 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 that's also true. Um, and that was not um, that was not a detriment when we uh, decided to buy this house. Um, I thought it would be. I, I said to my wife as we first initially looked at the house, "I like trains and all, but I don't know that I need to live this close to them." But <laughs> she is, as you know, uh, Janet is very persuasive, and you know she often gets her way. And uh, so we ended up buying the place. But then, so you were talked uh, into it. You were talked into getting this place with freight trains my going outside. Twisted. Wow. Yes. So um, so I started taking pictures of, of towboats and tugboats and stuff, and um, 
you know, one thing led to another, and I got to know the people from uh, the company that uh, that owns the Mrs. P, and I started doing some photography for them. I published a calendar for them and um, uh, featuring photos of of their uh, their tugboats and stuff. And um, and the next thing you know, they invited me to their Christmas party uh, about a month ago, and uh, that's when they said. Uh, they're uh, they they bought a new boat and it's in uh, being repaired right now, being restored and uh, made uh, seaworthy. Uh, and uh, they're they're going to call it the H. Michael Uhas. That being your your formal name, H. Michael Uhas. And yeah, I was reading an article about this and they were they were talking about the Uhas. <laughs> I guess that's how they referred to the boat. It just it was a really weird thing to read. Just talking about the Uhas and how it'll. It'll uh, be, you know, on the water fairly soon. Uh, but, but the UHAS actually is replacing somebody else's name on there. And I'm wondering if, if that might have uh, uh, sparked some kind of, uh, you know, um, hostility from the people that uh, had a boat named after their family. Well, I don't think so because it's uh, uh, formerly the Harlan Richardson. And I, I have no idea who Harlan Richardson is or was. But I get the impression that they bought the boat from a company called Richardson who was kind of like in a fire sale of liquidation of, you know, maybe going out of business. Maybe they were retiring and everything must go, something like that. Uh-huh. I really don't know. But um, apparently they picked up the boat uh, for uh, for a, a very reasonable price. And, um, <laughs> you know, by golly, they're naming it after me, which, again, it's totally just unexpected. And, uh, I mean, what do I do to, what did I do to deserve this besides I got to know the, the owner of the company? That's about it. Well, I mean, you have to ask yourself, uh, why is anyone's name on a tugboat? Um, it, it's obviously a connection of some sort. I mean. Well, well, like, for instance, the Mrs. P that we just talked about. Um, that's the owner's wife. <laughs> there you go. See, it's connections. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't have that much of a uh, connection. Mine's a lot more tenuous. I think you should have a Port Jefferson Ferry named after you. I mean, we, we, we're sick of <laughs> no. We, we've had the same ones forever, and it's time we we either get new ones or rename them. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Yeah. Maybe they'll name it after uh, you know, off the wall or something. Maybe. Uh, let's see. Uh, now you used to live on Long Island. Do you remember what they're called? So let's see. There's the Park City. Good. That's one of three. Uh, P.T. Barnum? Yes, that's two or three. Can he get the third one? Can I get uh, the third one? I don't know that I can. Oh, oh we should, we should, oh, this is embarrassing. Park, uh, what, Park City, P.T. Barnum, there's one on there. It's, it's right on their website. Perhaps. Yeah, well, I'm not going to cheat. Santa Maria. Well, no, yeah. it's not the Santa Maria. Uh, I, I might, do you know, do you know what the old one that was retired was, was named? Oh, uh, there were there were several in my time. It was the Catskill years and years ago. Don't remember that. And then there was that was a long time ago. And then that was replaced by the Martha's Vineyard. That's the one I was thinking of, Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. No, that's that's the one that was retired. You never saw that one, Kyle. <laughs> nice try. No, uh, there's a, there's a third one that that is in existence today, the Port Jefferson Ferry, and uh, we're all drawing blanks. It's it's the Sea Wolf. No, it's not the Seawolf. Good, good, good guess on that, but not the Seawolf. Uh, Mike, you mentioned something uh, a little while back. Um, uh, you talked about tugboats, but you also threw in a phrase I never heard before, a word I never heard before, towboat. What's a towboat? 
Um, that's basically what they call uh, a, a boat on the river that's pushing a bunch of barges. Uh, that that whole conglomeration is known as a tow. I see, I see. And so the tugboat is essentially a, a towboat. So a tugboat is a towboat? Yeah, basically. Okay. And the tugboat just basically uh, is, is pulling or pushing barges up and down the Mississippi River? Yeah, they, um, they, they always push. They always push, okay. Because, you know, tugging is kind of pulling, isn't it? It is. It is. And towing is, is, is pulling, you would think. But um, that's, um, that's one of the odd idiosyncrasies <laughs> of that industry uh-huh. is that, that uh, a boat pushing a bunch of barges is known as a tow. So uh, you'd say Mike Juhas doesn't have any pull in this uh, community. Yeah, we'll have soon a lot of push. A lot of push? <laughs> Good. That's uh, that's what I was hoping. Mike, have you ever been on a tugboat? Oh, yes. What, what's yes. it like? Um, it's, well, you know, it kind of depends on the boat, because uh, I, I guess they're, you know, they come in different shapes and sizes and stuff, and the accommodations are kind of spartan. But for for one of those line boats, they have a crew of about nine people, which includes a captain, a pilot, in <clears throat> um, the pilot is on duty when the captain is not on duty. Uh, a couple of deckhands, uh, a chief engineer, a cook. Um, usually about nine altogether. Uh, tell me about they the cook. There. Hang on, a cook on a toba. What's that like? Well, that person, all they do is they just made make food for the the rest of the crew. But I mean, how long are the trips on a tugboat? I always thought it was just basically. Maneuvering through ports and harbors and things like that are they are they long trips? Well, yes, They're, they typically are on for like four weeks or, or thirty days at a time. The the crew oh they spend they spend all that time on the boat and they work twelve hours a day, seven days a week. Um, usually split up into two six hour ships shifts per day. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's a fascinating world. Just uh, you know, I, you know, I feel like I'm a voyeur peeking into it, uh, learning so much about it as we go. Well, Mike, I had a question. Just um, in in getting to know the pilots of these uh, vessels and and uh, becoming familiar, um, you've you've had shown this incredible expertise and and uh, been able to capture all of the stuff that they do and the operations. And I'm wondering, along the way, you, you establish, you use a lot of technology, stay informed to make sure um, you're not interfering. What what kinds of things did you learn along the way? And, and have you thought about um, the the composition for um, when this vessel is on the water? If you uh, if you make another uh, a photograph, the first of it. Um, well, it's interesting that this. This vessel is in dry dock right now in Galveston, and I, I hope to get down there sometime within the next few weeks just to to take some pictures during its restoration. Well, to you inspect know, it, to inspect it. It's got your name on it. It has to meet exactly. your, your standards. Exactly. It may not have my name on it yet, but uh, it will before too long. And um, and um, and then eventually they'll, they'll get it up here and it will become part of the fleet. 
So any pictures I take of it will be just like any other towboat picture I take. It's, uh, you know, put the drone up or you know, find a place uh, onshore and, you know, get some shots of it as it goes by. But, Mike, think about this. It's going to pass right in front of your house. Has that ever happened before where somebody who has a tugboat or towboat named after them has had the boat go right in front of their house? Um, I, you know, I'm thinking it must have. <laughs> I don't know. Was, Did Mrs. P well, live on the river? <clears throat> Uh, they have a place on the river, yes, oh, they do. Oh, okay, and, I didn't expect that. And 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 one of their other boats, um, uh, the Clifford H. Galley, um, named after a, a fellow who passed away about a year ago, actually. Um, he uh, he would he was retired. He used to work on the river years and years and years ago, and he got to know Jeremy, the owner of the, the tugboat company. And uh, they they developed a friendship, and and Jeremy wanted to honor him, so he he named a boat after uh, Clifford, Cliff, and um, and I think uh, that was in Bellevue, Illinois, uh, Be- Bellevue, Iowa, which is where the the company is based out of. So I'm I'm sure Cliff saw his boat go by multiple times uh, in his life, and it was kind of neat. I actually. I, I, I had taken a few pictures of it, uh, and Jeremy gave me his email address, and I, I sent him the pictures, and he was he was very ecstatic. He was really happy to get the pictures. Uh, and but as I say, he was I think eighty three when he passed away last year, something like that. Wow, sounds like he led a good life though. And uh, yeah. these things they bring joy uh, to us all. It's just it's hard to explain to people who don't uh, uh, quite understand this this world of trains and boats and 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 just. Uh, uh, interstate commerce and all that. It's its really fascinating. Yeah, did you ever imagine you'd be able to meet all of these different people? I, I had no idea. No, it, no, Kyle, you're absolutely right. It, this is just this is just a bonus for me. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I've known a lot of railroaders over the years, but now I'm, I'm getting to know a, a, a bunch of uh, mariners, and, and they share a lot of the same... Uh, DNA. I think they 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 all work hard. They are very safety conscious conscious, um, and and the modes of transportation. You know, okay, the trains go fast. The boats typically go pretty damn slow, but there's an awful lot of power involved in it. Like the UHAS is going to be 1,200 horsepower. That's 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 a lot of that's a lot of power. You know, I always knew that you'd be 1,200 horsepower at some point. I didn't know how, but yes, the U.S. is 1,200 horsepower. That that sentence makes sense to me. Minimum, yeah. Minimum, yeah. sure. It's not, a, it's not a huge boat, but it, it is. Uh, it is. Um, um, it, it's it, it's impressive. It'll it'll help uh, help the barges, help the tows get through the locks. Now, is there going to be a, um, uh, a ceremony where you bust open a, a bottle of champagne on the side of the of the bow? We uh, we haven't talked about it, but I I'm assuming there's going to be something. You have to do that. I mean, how many times yeah. do you get this opportunity? <laughs> exactly. Wow. Okay. So what else can we uh, have have you uh, have, have named after you? You know, uh, Metro North has has names on their rail cars. I don't know how they do mm-hmm. that, um, but um, uh, you could maybe get your name on one of those. Well, of course, the Long Island used to do that uh, with their parlor cars as well. We used to have parlor cars. That's right. Mm-hmm. Again, heydays. <laughs> we, we don't seem to have those anymore. But Especially yeah. with, with a resume like this. I, I mean, how can they deny you? Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm good, thanks. Once you, once you have a vessel like that. Oh. 
Now, uh, will the Yuhas only be um, um, confined to the Mississippi River, or will wait? Do I say she? He? How do, how do you address a tugboat? What? What? What uh, gender is it? Well, um, vessels are historically feminine, um, even though the name might not be. So it's up to you. Uh, I guess I'll call it she then, but uh, as long as you don't feel strange me doing that. Um, I, I, I think I'm prepared for that. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, the Yuhas, will she be um, um, confined to the Mississippi River, or will she be uh, basically going all over the place? Um, it'll be uh, in service here, um, in lock assist service, which is, you know, their primary uh, job here on the upper Mississippi is helping helping the toes uh, go into the locks. You know, we've got a series of locks and dams um, all up and down the upper Mississippi from just above St. Louis up to uh, St. Paul. And it's uh, basically to maintain a nine-foot channel. And, you know, this was all put together by an act of Congress back in the 1930s that that, uh, established the nine-foot channel, the navigation channel, and it includes dams every 10, 15 miles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think there's 27, 29 of them or so. And uh, they uh, they allow the creation of slackwater pools um, that, um, that are maintained at a nine-foot depth. And uh, so in order for a, a large tow um, going south with the current, um, so they're not um, – they don't have as much navigational control uh, over where the head of that barge, uh, the head of that tow is going to go because, remember, the, the captain is maybe eight 900 feet behind it in, in the towboat. Um, <clears throat> and when, when you're going with the current, you have even less control. It's not so bad coming against the current because you're, you're revving up and you're your engines are working harder, but you're oftentimes just drifting when you're going south. And um, so that's when these assist tugs help with the assist into the into the locks, which helps prevent damage um, uh, uh, and other issues that they may face uh, on on the trip south. Though. So they're doing a lot of um, correcting from from the back of the tow, and they're also. Um, pulling back to sort of ease it into those areas. Yeah, what the assist tugs do is they they basically uh, push up against the side uh, once once they they get up at the the end of the wall. Um, they'll push the, the the toe into the into the wall uh, because in addition to the to the lock, there's also a dam there, and there's a a huge amount of water flow. Um, that wants to carry the the tow away from the lock that has no current moving into the dam that has a ton of of current moving. So that's another another reason why the assist tugs are there. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. So it's not the primary vessel in control of the tow. No, no, you're right. It's the the, the towboat itself is the one that's pushing. Uh, and the assist is just there for the assist. Brilliant. Okay, I guess. I'm sure there's many tugboat enthusiasts who are um, 
getting a lot out of this and learning things that um, that, that uh, aren't talked about anywhere else, really. So I, I think that's really awesome. But, Mike, congratulations on this. It's really uh, an amazing um, accomplishment. Again, I don't think I'll ever know anybody who has a tugboat named after them. I Again, to me, as surprising as it is to you, uh, it, it's, it's way more of a surprise for me. It just, it just completely caught me totally off guard. was not expecting this, and I'm very humbled. Well, I think they recognize your passion and expertise and just, just skill and, um, and appreciation for their operations. So this is a, a great form of recognition. And now it's time for the uh, railroad community to honor Mike as well uh, with uh, something, uh, a locomotive maybe, or just maybe a train route. or I mean, who's Ethan Allen? There's a train route called the Ethan Allen. So uh, there should be an H. Michael Uhas or, or you know, a Mike Uhas or something like that. But, Mike, you know, when, 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 I, when I talked to you yesterday, um, uh, you were actually on an Amtrak train, um, uh, just uh, basically going from, what, Milwaukee? Yeah, I was I was going from one end of Wisconsin to the other uh to to the Lacrosse area near where our house is and uh so we you know we travel we we have you know the two homes right now and eventually we'll have uh, just the one but for now we have two and uh we need to get back and forth and we often drive but this was just a nice respite from driving. And was it as pleasant a ride as as one might expect? No, it wasn't. I tell you the Amtrak personnel on board I think they must go to like a reverse charm school. They just they weren't they weren't particularly friendly, you know. Really, just, it was it was not it was just not a, a you know if you smile a little bit or ask people how their day is, you know that that goes a long way. But apparently they never got that memo. Well, did you smile and ask them how their day was? I did. I I smiled. I tried to be friendly and outgoing, but. You know, sometimes you, as the service provider, uh, has to, have to show a little hospitality as well. That's true. Now, was this uh, the Empire Builder from? Uh, yes. It goes from Chicago to Seattle, right? Correct. Yes. And they 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 weren't friendly on that train. See, I, we, we've taken that train a number of times, and uh, I know you have. And you 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 were uh, in a sleeping car. Uh, as I recall, right? That's true. They treat the sleepers much better than the coach right. people. That's because, true. I because forgot about they, that. They, you're, you're paying a lot more money. You get your meals included and stuff. <clears throat> and you probably tip the attendant, which the coach, they don't get diddle, you know. Um, uh, but but at any event, yeah, I, I believe that has a lot to do with it. Uh-huh. He's absolutely right. But it's a fairly short ride, isn't it? For me, yeah, it was it was under four hours. Uh huh. Okay, so apart from from a uh, hostile crew, <laughs> uh, was there anything else that went wrong? I, that, well, if I if if I gave anything that would suggest hostility, uh, that that's an overreach. Okay, it wasn't. They weren't hostile, but they just weren't particularly friendly. That's uh, all. Unimpressed. Yeah, you could say that. Okay. Well, all right. Apart apart from from that, maybe it was mutual. How 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 was the trip otherwise? Oh, it was. It was okay. Um, the the train the day before, which was the one that I was originally booked on, was canceled. Uh, so I was I was due to go on the Empire Builder westbound on Sunday, uh-huh. but on Friday at noon I got notification that Sunday's train was going to be canceled due to weather, and we didn't have any bad weather then. You mean they, they canceled it in advance of weather that didn't show up? Correct. 
You know, um, uh, you heard about our adventure. <laughs> I, I told. Yeah. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, it was it was on the uh, um, um, what's what's the name of that train? The um, Lakeshore Limited. Thank you, Lakeshore Limited, from Chicago to New York. Our train was canceled while we were on it. <laughs> That's when they they sent us a text saying, "By the way, your train is canceled, um, and uh, um, it will only be going as far as Albany." And then you're on your own. <laughs> We're not even going to help you find a bus. And there were no buses to find. It was a nightmare. It was terrible. And, and we found the demeanor of the people in the station was completely different than the people on the train who were trying to be sympathetic, but they weren't being told anything either. And mm-hmm. uh, this, this had to do with some kind of uh, a washout of the rails, and there was no way for them to actually uh, continue safely down that particular route. My idea, no, though, not at all. My idea was... Amtrak, was got, Amtrak and Metro North got really clobbered in that big storm. That's so true. That, like in July? Or yeah, it was, it was over the summer. Um, but basically, um, my idea was, okay, we're in Albany. There's a connection from Albany over to Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, we get on that train, which is leaving in a few minutes, and then we simply hop down from Springfield, uh, taking an Amtrak to New York. Uh, problem solved. Right. That's, a, that's the beauty right. of the rails, is you can route around things. But they couldn't make that happen. They couldn't yeah, they get couldn't us on that train. Be, they wouldn't accommodate you for, for one reason or another, maybe because they didn't have room. And that's the, that's the thing that I noticed yesterday, was because Sunday's train was annulled, uh, all those passengers who couldn't go on Sunday ended up going on Monday. So <clears throat> it was basically SRO. There was there was not an empty seat to be found. It was all the humanity, uh-huh. you know. And you don't you don't necessarily get on the train with the expectation of being able to spread out. But it was tight yesterday. Yeah, I can imagine. But at least... I had a, I had my seatmate was a a nice lady from Nigeria. She was going back to school in in Fargo. We had a nice little chat, um, but um, and, and you know, again, that just just from from being friendly and reaching out and saying hello. Of course, yeah. I mean, we've had some of the best experiences in the dining car, where you right. sit opposite strangers and you just hear their story and uh, have have the greatest conversations. It's it's always amazing. I would have loved to gone into the dining car. Yeah, well, coach people aren't allowed in there if 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 the exactly. sleepers are are taking up the space. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> but but in our case, you know, we, uh, after after months of uh, of trying to get justice, we actually did get a, a sizable credit uh, because we were basically left stranded in Albany. Uh, I'm not sure uh, you can get something like that for uh, for for. I mean, you did get where you're supposed to go. It's weird that they would cancel a train in advance and then not have the ability to um, uh, to just run it anyway if the weather wasn't uh, wasn't as bad as they thought it would be. Well, um, they are going to get a scathing letter from me, and I don't expect any any uh, recompense. Well, I, I'll, I'll give you some 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 numbers that might help you, because um, when when I when I reached the right person, boy, it was amazing. It was uh, somebody who was really sympathetic and listened to what I had to say, and just basically kept giving me more of a credit, even though I wasn't asking for more. It was just, I was, I was being friendly and, and just a little beleaguered, and, um, and, and she appreciated that. But, Mike, what I want to talk to you about um, are the expansions that are going on. I understand there's going to be um, uh, a, a new route opening up uh, between Chicago and, uh, is it Minnesota? Right. <clears throat> uh, it's the, uh, on the route of the Empire Builder, they're going to add another train between Chicago and um, uh, Minneapolis or uh, St. Paul. Uh-huh. 
uh, <clears throat> that's been approved. They've done all the engineering. All the monies have been approved, and um, nobody seems to know when it's going to start. Okay. Uh, but I tell you, that will make things a lot more convenient um, because when you have a choice of train frequencies, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, you, it makes the, uh, the that particular travel mode that much more attractive. Well, that would have helped you uh, yesterday mm-hmm. because it would have been another train. I'm, would that be a sleeper train or, or, or not? No, it would be all coach. Okay. Uh, they might have a, a, a lounge car so you can get, you know, some snacks and stuff, I would hope. Uh-huh. But um, no, it would because it, it's a it's a short distance, relatively short distance corridor train. Now, for uh, something like that, why can't they just turn that on tomorrow? The track is already there. Well, they have to have uh, crews in place, and and Amtrak is um, they have a, a shortage, a chronic shortage of equipment as well. Oh, really? Okay, so they need more yeah. trains. They they do, and and and. They are being built. Um, all these, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Siemens is building um, train sets for them. Um, primarily, uh, new passenger cars. They call them venture coaches. Uh, and they have a bunch of new Siemens locomotives. Well, new. I mean, they, they, I think they started rolling them out in like in 2017. So they've been around for a while. But um, uh, the issue is that. Whenever there is a wreck, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, the equipment that's involved usually ends up being out of service for multiple years before it gets repaired. Uh-huh. If ever. Yeah, if ever. Well, it's interesting. When we visited you uh, a couple of years ago, uh, there had just been that wreck of the Empire Builder. Where was that? Mm-hmm. In Montana, Idaho? Yeah. Some, somewhere out west. And um, if, if it's not enough to have two train tracks in front of your house, across the Mississippi River, there's another set of train tracks, and you can see trains over there, too. And we just happened to see the Empire Builder going uh, on its way back east to Chicago, and it was towing uh, cars from that wreckage on the day that yes. we looked. And that was simply incredible to see this extra long train going by that day. Yes, yes. I recall that. Yes, you're correct. Um, now... Last month, uh, in December, there were all these grants announced, $108.5 million directly to Amtrak uh, for station and service upgrades, uh, $2 billion to their partners in North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Maine for infrastructure upgrades uh, that they say will directly benefit Amtrak customers and, and host railroads, and uh, $34.5 million to 39 states and localities for planning and development of 69 69 new and improved intercity passenger rail corridors. That is incredible. Now, one of them, one of them might affect us right here on Long Island because they're talking about having uh, a couple of northeast corridor trains um, continue to Ronkonkoma from Penn Station. So basically, I I believe they would come from from D.C. or, or maybe even further south, um, and hit Penn Station and then make a right turn and come out to Ronkonkoma. Does, does that... Right. Wow. Yeah, instead of uh, instead of uh, peeling off uh, to go into the yard at Sunnyside, just continue on Long Island main line out to Ronkonkoma. That is, uh, that is part of the Amtrak Connects Us um, strategy of uh, new uh, short-distance corridors or new service, and uh, whether that ever comes to fruition... 
Yeah, it's, that's a good question. We'll see what happens. Well, they say if this ever happens, uh, the train will stop in Jamaica and Hicksville before um, the terminus uh, in Ronkonkoma. Um, yeah. And I imagine the um, uh, the third track will probably come in handy. You've heard of the third track between uh, uh, Floral Park and uh, Hicksville? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yes. That allows trains to pass other trains, and, and right mm-hmm. now Long Island Railroad is, is using that, but Obviously, um, Amtrak would need a way to pass LIRR trains if it was uh, actually giving you a fast ride out to Ron Conklin. Uh, I know many years ago it was discussed that such um, a route would exist on the Port Jefferson line uh, and, and serving Stony Brook, the university here, uh, and, and that would be a good thing, but that never happened. They never electrified uh, this, this particular line. There's a, there's a huge push for it. It seems like everybody, no matter what the political side they're on, supports the idea of electrifying the Port Jefferson line. Do you think that's a realistic uh, aspiration? Well, um, possibly. But they've made accommodations uh, over the past 20 years or so with the dual-mode locomotives that can take you on that one-seat ride from, from, say, Port Jefferson Mm -hmm. uh, into Penn Station without having to change at Jamaica or Huntington or whatever. Uh, because you're hauled by a locomotive that runs diesel uh, between Port Jefferson and, say, Huntington, and then from there can utilize the third rail. You know, we took that train actually from Penn Station uh, to uh, to Stony Brook a couple of weeks ago, and we were just raving on this show about how cool it was. An hour and a half from Penn Station to Stony Brook. And it, it was it was incredible, you know, to have that kind of service. Now, if it were electric the whole way, it would go even faster, and and the, the trip would be even shorter. Um, I don't I don't think it would go any faster, because on the Port Jefferson branch, you've got a lot of curves and hills that are going to uh, kind of constrain the maximum speeds. Uh-huh. Even if they electrify or, or uh, yes. put two tracks in. Yes, even if they do. Yeah, you're you're still. You're, you're, you're still not going to be able to go very fast, like, say, between Stony Brook and Port Jeff. It's all just a series of curves. That's true. That's true. And the train goes about 20 miles an hour between those two, two places. I 30, but or at least it was back in the day. I, it might, might be the same. I, I, but you're right. It's not, it's not like the high speed between uh, Hicksville through Mineola down to Jamaica. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, you're not kidding. Well, it's kind of adorable that you call that high speed. It's fast. <laughs> don't listen no, to him, Mike. I mean, don't listen to him. You got to go to Japan. You got to go to to Europe and, and anywhere and, and just high speed, 180 miles an hour. That that's high speed. Fast by U.S. standards. Yeah. Fast yeah. by commuter railroad standards. You know, you have a map in your house of just all these stations around the country, and I think that's what what passenger rail service used to be like. Imagine the subway system, right? New York City subway system. Look at that map. Now make that map go across the entire country, and that's what we used to have. Just about. It just, it it, it angers me that um, we let that go and that so many other places recognize the value of passenger rail. You know, I I, I hope with Joe Biden uh, that it, it gets more and more support and people start realizing that this is the greenest way to travel. It's uh, the most comfortable way to travel. I mean, <laughs> you don't have pieces of, of trains blowing out in, at, in the middle of your trip and people being sucked out windows and things like that. That doesn't usually happen. <sighs> uh, no, not usually. But um, but I do have to give a, a, a shout uh, shout out to Antrac with this 
Amtrak connects us, us as in, you know, United States, um, <clears throat> their initiative to identify potential new corridors. Now, whether any of these are ever going to come to fruition, that I, do, I just don't know, but at least they're planning. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have a, a thought to uh, return passenger train service to Allentown, PA, Reading from Philadelphia, Allentown from New York, Scranton from New York. Yeah, we talked about um, that last week, actually, that, that they would restore that line. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are, are a lot of potential corridors, um, many of which used to have train service, many of, them, many of which used to have Amtrak train service back in the day, but um, no longer do. And, you know, once, once something comes off, it's just so hard to reestablish. Yeah, and I, I really look at. I really like that point of just having good plans that are on the shelf, even if it's not in, in the next phase of whatever kind of uh, plans are are, are being uh, undertaken at the moment. Right now, look at um, the uh, Florida Panhandle, um, the train that used to go from I believe it was Jacksonville to New Orleans and then continue on to uh, Los Angeles. The uh, what was that? The Sunset Limited. Um, <clears throat> well, that's been post. That's been you know, an old east of New Orleans since Hurricane Katrina, and that was like in 2005. And there are hundreds of people that are working really hard to resume that service. Wait, are you, you know, saying that that train was a one seat ride from from uh, from Florida to Los Angeles? Yes, sir. Wow, I, I wasn't even aware that it did that. I, I know yeah. that it's been cut off since Katrina across Florida, and I really hope they, they reestablish that. But right now, um, uh, where does it pick up, in New Orleans? Yes, yeah, that's the origination and terminus now. So you can go from New Orleans to Los Angeles? You can. Okay. Uh, three days a week. Yeah, that's true. Now, that, that, on, on that subject, uh, the uh, the Cardinal, we took the Cardinal uh, from, from Chicago to New York, and that's a unique route because uh, that, that goes through West Virginia and Washington, yep. D.C. It doesn't go uh, the, the way that the um, uh, the Empire, uh, what, wait, what's it called again? The no, Lakeshore Limited goes. Right. Um, but it only goes three times a week, and they're looking to increase that to operate daily. So that would be yep. a really good move. Well, that would be good because, you know, look at it right now. Uh, Cincinnati, it's a fairly large population center, Charleston for that matter, uh, and there to Indianapolis, you know, there's only a train there uh, in each direction three days a week. Mm-hmm. It's it's pitiful. Yeah. You know, you, you can't build uh, a clientele based on three trains a week. Absolutely Although not, no. i got to agree with you, it is a, co- a cool train. I rode it once, and it had to have been back in the 1980s, and I, I rode it uh, from Philadelphia through Washington, um, uh, through Cincinnati, and, and on into Chicago. It was it was delightful. Absolutely. You know, the best trains, the best long-distance trains, are the ones that still have the kitchens, the actual place where they cook food, not the prepackaged meals. And I really hope they, they move away from that tendency to convert to something like that, because people don't like it at all. They they have fluctuated. They have gone to, from China to plastic plates, back to China, back to plastic plates. Uh, the service, it, it all depends on who's in charge of the Amtrak administration in that particular month. Uh, that 
the other thing is, if you're a coach passenger, you cannot use the, the dining car, and that to me is just a bunch of hooey. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Add another, add another dining that. car if, if you have to. I mean, exactly. it'll be supported. Exactly. I think it is an amenity that is um, undervalued by the management of, of some of these uh, lines and, and uh, trains because it's just it's it's a it should be an institution it shouldn't be run so lean you know sh- many uh long distance trains seem like they're like a city on the track uh that have options in different spaces and i think a lot of that's being upgraded and changed on the whole but um maybe on some of these other uh lines they just they just kind of forget that it, it itself is an institution when it pulls into the station and and um of course when things adverse weather when things happen having extra ability and um resources on board that take care of people is crucial Kyle you you make a really valid point there and um you know but i'd also say again depending on who's in charge of uh, of Amtrak at any given time the, the, the long distance trains often get short shrift. Yeah, I think we might be in one of those phases right well, now. Well, they, didn't they have a guy who used to run an airline running Amtrak? We don't still have that, do we? No, we don't. We good. Don't, no. Because no. <laughs> hey, that, that was not a good time. If there's capital improvements and plans and things that are really, really um, efficiently implemented and they need to cut the, the uh, different types of chips I can get in the cafe... I'm totally fine with that. So, I mean, the trade-off, if it's clear that other things for the long long term are are improving or at least, you know, the staff is feeling cared for, then I'm, I'm willing to part with things or at least ride the, the different phases, as you put it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm looking at uh, just pages and pages of um, uh, upgrades and expansion and things like that, that that are planned in the in the years ahead. But they're also talking about the train you were mentioning, Mike, uh, the Sunset Limited that goes from New Orleans to Los Angeles uh, via Houston, San Antonio, El Paso, Tucson, uh, and they're looking to increase that to operate daily as well versus uh, the current three days a week. So that would be great. That would be great, and it would be great if they they would resume resume the service to Jacksonville. Absolutely. And I know Ohio uh, is in the middle of a big push to get more routes established to connect that state. So I think that would really um, uh, be pretty amazing. Now, um, uh, here's a trivia question. So um, uh, obviously Alaska and Hawaii don't have Amtrak, but uh, is there one or two states in the mainland that don't have any Amtrak service? At the moment, two. And what are they? Uh, I'm going to guess. South Dakota? Yes. Okay. And? uh, okay, wait, now, I put myself on the spot. You want to try, Kyle? Um, it's, it's one of those big states, right? I want to say Wyoming, but I'm... I you are correct. Oh, it? you are correct. Wyoming, okay. Well, I'm, I feel bad for them, but, you know, they brought it on themselves. So. Oh, by by having zero population? <laughs> yes, by having few people, uh, a lot of land, and being out in the boonies somewhere. But you know what? If, if somebody wants to run... Uh, uh, you know, some train track to uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Well, you know, there, there is train track everywhere because it's all run by by, by freight lines. In fact, that's one of the biggest well, problems Amtrak has. And it's interesting that you should mention Cheyenne, which is basically a suburb of Denver at this point. Uh, they're uh, on Amtrak Connect Us. Um, that is one of their uh, foreseen potential new corridors, uh, 
from Cheyenne through Denver down to Pueblo. Oh, wow. <clears throat> um, and, and several years ago, um, there was a train uh, that would go west out of Denver, or actually west out of Chicago. When it got to Denver, it split into a couple of parts. And I think it was called the Pioneer that went up through Cheyenne and um, and eventually got, I believe, to Portland or Seattle or I, I again I'm I forget the the chronology and the destinations, but it was it was a train that had uh, service through Wyoming. Now, when you say the train split up, it's supposed to split up. It's not breaking apart or anything like that. Correct. Uh, yeah. so, just, just so people know. And that, that's a very common thing on trains around the world. And, in fact, in Spokane, uh, it, it, uh, the um, Empire Builder splits, and one train goes to uh, Seattle, one train goes to Portland, and takes the dining car with them, by the way. Uh, so uh, you have no food between, <laughs> between Spokane and, and Seattle. Um, but uh, that would, if that happened with Wyoming, that would put South Dakota on, on the spot for being the only state to not have any train service. So maybe uh, maybe they can figure out something so they don't get embarrassed. No, that doesn't look too, too prominent. No, probably but, not. Yeah. Well, um, gosh, uh, I, I mentioned the freight lines, uh, and that has always been a problem because um, if, if the freight lines own um, uh, the track, uh, Amtrak always has to wait behind yes. a stalled uh, freight train or something like that. Uh, yes. The Northeast Corridor is an exception because uh, Amtrak uh, owns those those lines for the most part. Um, but um, it would be nice yeah, if that the, could be. With the exception, with the exception of uh, New York to New Haven, which is owned by Metro North. Right, right. And you know, I've also heard there's um, talk of expansion up in Maine, which uh, would would definitely mm-hmm. be interesting. Yep. And uh, all kinds of other things in, in, in the Northeast uh, region, uh, being the most uh, profitable and most popular. But I really hope to see more happen uh, in the Midwest. I know Chicago has a bunch of things planned, and also the West Coast. Uh, in fact, some of these um, some of these plans, uh, one of them actually uh, has to do with um, uh, Dallas to uh, to Houston, I believe, which I thought was a private enterprise. Is that now an Amtrak project? Um. I think there's a couple of different things going on there, uh, and, and and there there was um, there was a, a, a private uh, company that was um, contemplating service between a couple of the cities in Texas, and I think Amtrak may have taken over the planning uh, of that line because it was just not viable for the private out. I really? believe. Don't hold me to that. That's the but Texas the High Speed Rail Corridor, is what it's called. Yes. Yes. The other really interesting thing is <clears throat> uh, now uh, there is an alternative to Amtrak in Florida. You can ride Brightline between Miami and Orlando. And you did that? I did. I did as much as was uh, open um, just before they uh, opened up the Orlando extension. Yes, I did Miami to West Palm Beach and back. Uh-huh. And uh, and that was that was enjoyable. And those people, they know how to run a, a railroad. Even though they are not railroaders, their background is all in hospitality, and and so they know how to treat their customers to want them to to come back. Wow. It was delightful. And they are um, moving forward on a, a line that's going to connect either Los Angeles or one of its suburbs to Las Vegas. That's and going to be amazing. Would, it will be amazing. Uh, if you've ever driven I-15 <laughs> between 
there, here and there, uh, you'll know how, uh, how, how congested it can be. Well, competition in the rails, I think, is, is definitely a good idea. If they can uh, get along on the tracks and not run into each other, I think that uh, everybody will, will, will benefit. But, Mike, we only have one minute left. That, that hour really flew by. We could just keep going oh, and talking about all this. It's fascinating. I can't believe I still have battery left at home. <laughs> I can't believe it sounds so good on a cell phone. I thought you were on a landline. That's, that's pretty uh, amazing. Yeah, I'm probably connected to Wi-Fi. And I will say this. The answer to our other question about the third ferry is grand Public. That's the one. Thank you. I, that, that would have. I wasn't going to look, but that would have bugged me all night long. I did. Now I can focus on the impending storm. And uh, uh, Finn is coming at seven o'clock, but not on the air. <laughs> He's coming in, in in the form of a storm. Uh, and um, uh, Mike, it's been a pleasure as always. Is there any information you want to give out in the last uh, twenty seconds or so? Well, if anybody's interested, uh, they can go to the Riverview Boat Store, RiverviewBoatStore.com and um, see the, the photos of, uh, of the fleet of the tugboats uh, with the outfit that I, uh, you know, I, I'm affiliated with. So, uh, Kyle and Eric, it's been great talking to you both. Oh, likewise. And uh, do, do call back and, uh, and uh, give us an update sometime on, on your adventures out there. And hopefully one day we will all ride the H. Michael Uhas. <laughs> yeah, it won't be open to the public. Sorry. All right, we'll have to sneak aboard. Write to us, otw at 2600.com. We will be back next week. And please, stay dry, stay safe. Have a good night.